Good morning. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. Amen. It's a strange little song, isn't it? I am. You know, what does that mean? You know, and yet that's a very special name for God. You know, when Moses had that burning bush experience and God said, Moses, I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, well, who should I say sent me? And God said, just tell him I am has sent you. And Jesus used that phrase a lot. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, I'm about to do some teaching here based on Luke. I want to get to that in just a minute. But maybe the most important time for you is a personal time in prayer. And when he refused to define himself by saying he is only this, he just is I am, he meant he is what you need. And everybody in here needs something different from him. Everybody's going through their own stuff. And I just want to begin with maybe the most powerful time of my teaching is to just let you have a moment of prayer and, and ask God for what you need because he is what you need. So just do that now. In your confusion, in your certainty, wherever you are in your spiritual life, just pray to the Lord that he would reveal his way and his will for you now. Well, I am about ready to uh, do some teaching, and we're going to do it on the basis of Luke in chapter 24. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell their versions of the story of Easter. I'm not suggesting that one version disagrees with another. They just choose to tell different elements of the same story. And so as you read them, it's kind of interesting to understand the personality of the person who is writing and also to question, well, why did he emphasize this when this fellow didn't even mention that? We're going to be looking at Luke's perspective. Uh, Luke says in chapter 1 of his gospel that he was not an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. And so Luke is probably the only non-Jewish writer of the New Testament in the entire Bible. Luke was a Gentile. He was a trained physician. And, and so Luke has an interesting perspective. He's writing to people like you and I who probably, although some of you do, but most of us do not have a Jewish experience. You know, most of us have read the Old Testament, you know, from outside the Jewish culture, trying to understand the Jewish culture. Luke's writing to you and he's writing to me because that's my experience. How many of you have been watching the uh, series on the History Channel, The Bible? Have you been seeing some of that? Man, I recommend that. Uh, I switched providers in the middle of that series, and so I lost my recording. So I reset uh, my recording the other night, and uh, it just so happened I caught kind of the, the entire uh, reboot of that entire series. So I noticed my TV was still recording this morning when I got up. And, uh, and so I'm going to have that entire series. Normally, I, I don't care for that kind of thing. You know, it's commercialized. They question a lot of the historicity of the Bible. They don't tell the stories. Uh, but I've been kind of impressed with this, actually surprisingly impressed with its recounting of the very human nature of the people that got involved in his story. And I happened to also catch the other day an interview of Mark Burnett, 
you recognize that name. He's on all the CSI stuff. I mean, he is probably the hottest producer in Hollywood right now. A lot of movies, too. He's moved into movies. Uh, you know, he's, he's just the man with the golden touch right now. But he's a Christian. And, and he and his wife decided they should produce the Bible. And, and uh, Fox was kind of grilling him on his motive. They said, now, obviously, you and your wife are strong Christians. Don't you think, you know, that that's kind of proselytizing, you know, to push your faith on other people by this production? And uh, he said, no, I don't think so. He said, this is the greatest story ever told. He says, it doesn't matter what's your background. It doesn't matter whether you're Muslim. It doesn't matter whether you're Jewish. It doesn't matter whether you're Christian or you're none of those things, but you live in this present world because this world has been affected by this story, by God's interaction from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And all three of these major uh, worldwide faiths find their historicity in this story. I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective as he told what motivated him. You know, we're going to be looking at this story, and and as you watch the series, here's the danger. The danger is that you look back from a point of sophistication. You look back from a point of uh, hindsight, and hindsight is 2020. And we can look at the history and say, man, we know so much more than those simple people knew in the first century. We can look back on the culture and say, well, that's their culture. I don't even get that. I mean, the burial customs, I mean, that's kind of odd, the way they did those things. Uh, I don't even know that Jewish people follow those same customs today. Or you can look back on the technology, and, and you can say, you know, uh, well, they went early in the morning because they didn't have dust to dawn lights. They were walking. They didn't have cars. I mean, we are so much more sophisticated, so much more knowledgeable than they are. And there's a danger that when you look back at a specific time in history, you can discount that as more simple people and therefore having not so much to say to you. But this is the same, and this is why we still teach from that book. Human nature has not changed. And God's interest in people has not changed. And so if you can get past the culture, if you can get past the technology, if you can get past the history, and you can look at the human element that we're going to do today, I believe that there's a message here that can change your life. Because a lot of us have exactly the same experience that these ladies had. You know, they were there early in the morning, and uh, they didn't recognize, were befuddled. Uh, Actually, the scripture says perplexed, dumbfounded, by what they experienced. Who wouldn't be? Put yourself in their position. They had hoped that he was the Messiah. And he died. How discouraged they must have been. They thought he was going to establish a worldwide religion of power like unto his father David. You know, they expected something totally different. They were crushed, but yet they loved him. I mean, you could imagine being with Jesus. How could you not love uh, somebody who expressed such great compassion? Somebody who uh, spoke truth to power and somebody who never overlooked even a small child. I mean, he was endearing. And so with hearts broken for a number of reasons, the death of someone they loved, but also the disillusionment of their faith, they came that day and didn't expect to find what they found. And so they were absolutely confused. They blanked out. They didn't understand. You have experiences like that. I call them uh, 3M experience. Momentary mental misfire. You know, we all have them. We do. You know, 
In fact, I saw a news story the other day where a man had returned from the deployment in the military. And you see this occasionally pop up on news stories where they surprise their family. And this guy decided that he was going to surprise his family. And he was going to be in a fast food window when they came through, as was their routine, to get their breakfast in the morning. And so he was in the window. And his wife pulled up with the kids in the car. And he handed her... Uh, her food, and she didn't even recognize him. (laughs) She wasn't expecting to see him there. She knew he was not there. You know, he was deployed somewhere else. You know, and that's probably happened to you. Have you ever been on vacation somewhere, maybe a thousand miles away from home, and and you run into somebody that you didn't expect to see there, and you don't recognize them? And you say, wow, that was my sister. You know, I (laughs) We, we, we've had that happen here with weddings, you know, because there's a momentary mental misfire. I, I've had uh, grooms mostly, I don't know why it's guys, but mostly guys, uh, who will say the dumbest things, you know, when they're supposed to repeat, you know, the, the vows. There's a place in the service where you say, you know, I, Stephen Hauer, you know, take you, and, and, and you just repeat whatever the pastor says. And I, and I said, I, Joe Smith, whatever the groom's name was, and he said, I, and he just looked at me, and I said, your name? And he goes, your name? <laughs> you know, just momentary mental misfire. It happens. It happens to you, too. You know, it's like when that policeman comes up and taps on your window and says, do you know why I pulled you over? You babble incoherently something because, you know, you just are, like, befuddled. I, I'm just speaking from stories that I've heard. I don't have any personal experience with that. You know, this is strange stuff. Even Mary Magdalene, you know, who was with the women, uh, one of the Gospels tells us that she was with the women and she saw, but she didn't go up. She didn't follow up and saw, uh, she didn't see the, the angels inside the tomb. As soon as she saw the stone was rolled away, she left the ladies who went on and she ran back to the disciples and said, you know, they've robbed the tomb. And, and then the women went on to discover the truth of the matter, uh, uh, we are told that Peter and John ran to the tomb. Uh, Mary had already run, and she was walking. And so she was by herself. She crosses everybody. She gets back to the tomb, and she's by herself. She's weeping outside the tomb. And you remember in one of the Easter accounts, Jesus comes up to her and, and begins to talk to her, and she presumes he's the gardener. It's Jesus! It's the one that she loved! And uh, she presumed he was the gardener and said, if you've taken away my master's body, tell me where it is and, and, and we'll fetch it. And he said, Mary. And then she clinged to him. You know, momentary mental misfire. It happens to all of us. This is miraculous stuff. This is irrational stuff. This is nonsensical stuff. You know, if you're struggling with the veracity of this story, if you're struggling with the truth of this matter, and, and, and you believe legend, yes, I can buy legend. I can't buy a living legend. You know, he is risen. If you say so, I'm not so sure. If you're that kind of person in here today, that's okay. You know, this is not usual. If Christians can make you feel a little stupid, a little uninformed, uh, you are being the reasonable ones. We are the peculiar ones. Christians, you have to own that. You know, you believe something that is not usual, something that is supernatural. But, but, but what if there are things in this world that are supernatural? 
What if there are things in this world that are divine? What if there is a God? And what if Jesus didn't just exist as a historic person? What if he was the Son of God? And what if he did not just die by crucifixion, but was raised from the dead? What if he was not just legend, but living legend? There are both in our lives, you know. There are legends and there are living legends. John Wayne's a a legend when it comes to uh, movies. Clint Eastwood is a living legend. He's now 83 in May. I don't know if you saw his last movie, Trouble with the Curve. You know, 83, Clint, I think you should move on from playing the tough guy, the, the guy that gets into fights. You know, you're 83 years old. Uh, I don't know if you noticed in our, in our logo here, Living Legends, you know, we're in St. Louis. Did you see the arch? Did you see the baseball diamond, the little cardinal there? You know, nothing says legend like baseball in St. Louis. Stan the Man, legend. Hank Aaron, living legend. Hard to believe that Hank Aaron is now, how old do you think he is? 79 years old. How can Hank Aaron be 79 years old? Steve Jobs, legend, you know, uh, brought back Apple from the dead several times, has, you know, changed the world uh, with his products and his creativity and his mind. Uh, Legend now, Bill Gates, living legend, only 57 years old. Frank Sinatra, the crooner, the chairman of the board, legend. Aretha Franklin, just last Monday, turned 71, living legend. Last weekend, I don't know if you noticed, but it snowed a little bit. And uh, I was confined to indoor activity, and, and so I was watching some TV, and, and this, this occurred uh, on one of my favorite channels. Uh, it was actually the Bay Hill Classic, Arnold Palmer's course in uh, Florida. He was hosting the PGA there that day, and uh, Tiger Woods is, is with him. Uh, I was aghast <laughs> to hear that Arnold Palmer is 83 years old. You know, when I was 20, you know, he was uh, ending his professional career. He had won so many PGA events. He had Arnie's Army, and now we have Tiger's Army. You know, he intimidates everybody because he has such a mass of people and camera technology all around him. Most PGA players aren't used to that kind of intensity, and so usually Sunday is always in his favor. He won that event for the eighth time. Uh, The most ever PGA events won at the same place by a player. And uh, he's on a terror again. And it was interesting, Johnny Miller, who is a color commentator, a former professional golfer and well-known in that world, uh, was interviewing Arnie before he went down to shake hands with Tiger on the 18th green. And he said, uh, Arnie, he says, just imagine, he says, what it would be like to be 27 again, walking down the fairway in a PGA event. And Arnie said, well, I don't know about you, but just being 27 again sounds pretty good to me. Because he's 83. He knows where this is headed. It's only a matter of time before Tiger is hosting an event and some new young phenom is walking down the fairway. And Arnie will be with us no more. That's just the way of the world. And so that's what everybody expected with Jesus too. He was great, but his greatness is over. His time is past. And there was debate. Was he legend or was he living legend? Now, you Christians can be annoying on this issue because you say, if I had been there, I would have not been so stupid. I would have been on my way to the tomb as well, but I would have had a news crew because I would have said, wait till you see what's going to happen because I know. And indeed, they should have known. 
I mean, Job, during the time of Abraham, during the patriarchal period, said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the latter day he will take his stand upon the earth. You know, one of our great Easter hymns. I know that my Redeemer lives. Wasn't it David who said, the Holy One will not see decay? And didn't Jesus himself, I mean, just months before this occasion, say to his followers and to his disciples, as Job was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days, but then rise again. I say, well, that's a little hard for me to grasp, Lord. I don't understand that. But after the transfiguration, the Bible says, all the gospels say, he began to speak plainly. I'm going to go down to Jerusalem. I'm going to be captured. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die by crucifixion. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now, we know they heard him because Matthew relates the account. And and Peter says, Lord, this will never happen to you. So he heard. He understood what he said was going to happen. And then it did happen. And yet Peter was not at the tomb ready to see it take place because he couldn't get his head wrapped around it. So even though Christians think they know, it's hard for us. Our mind's eye controls what we can absorb and what we can accept. So let's examine uh, this scripture from Luke's perspective, this Gentile writer, this man who said he didn't see any of this, but he went and interviewed people who did. In fact, Luke's gospel is sometimes called Mary's gospel because Luke tells stories from Mary's perspective that no one else tells and no one else could have known except for Mary. And so Luke did an investigation of eyewitnesses uh, like we would do an investigation if we were reporting, and he writes a report of what he discovered to be true. And here's what he found out from interviewing eyewitnesses about Easter. Chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now their culture was that no one could work on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath for a Jewish person didn't begin Saturday morning. The Sabbath actually began with the sunset Friday night. And so between the death of Christ on Good Friday and the sunset, very little time, they hastily buried him in a, in a new cave, a, a new tomb that had been hollowed out of rock uh, near the garden, the Bible tells us. And, and so these women were, were frustrated and, 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 and saddened that they couldn't pay homage and respect to the person they loved. And, and, and so they couldn't wait uh, until Sunday, because again, uh, the Sabbath was over at sunset Saturday night, but without the technology, without the lights, you know, without the transportation, they had to wait until sunrise. And they were on their way again then to finish the job that needed to be done for one that you loved. So the Bible tells us they went to the tomb early that morning, timing their arrival so that they would have sunlight. And they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, verse 3. But when they entered, they could not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, these weren't big spaces. You know, I, I've been in some of these, uh, some of these tombs uh, in the Holy Land. Uh, because they were carved out of solid rock, they, weren't, they were only big enough for the body, pretty much, and for people to carry the body in. There was not a lot of room. So uh, there was no confusion. He was not there. Verse 4, and it happened they were dumbfounded by this, perplexed. Behold, two men stood 
uh, stood near them in dazzling apparel. Now, they were almost on top of them, I imagine, and, and must have lit up the whole room. And no wonder, verse 5 then follows, they were terrified and they fell to the ground. And then the men began to speak and said, why do you, why do, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living legends among those who are only legends? He is not here. He is risen. Don't you recall what he said to you when he was still with you in Galilee? He told you the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. Oh, yeah. He did say that. We didn't, we couldn't grasp it. But yeah, he did say that. Let's just try to, you know, rewind our mind and put ourselves in their position as ones who do not know how the story ends. And imagine us going to the tomb to finish the embalming because we believe him dead. We saw him dead. Who could stand and watch a crucifixion and not know he was dead? Before they knew the truth about his being raised from the dead, they went to the tomb anyway. Now, some of you may be here just out of respect for people in your family who believe. And it's the price you have to pay for lunch. (laughs) I understand. I'm glad that you honor the faith of your daughter. You honor the faith of your parents. You honor the faith of your spouse by being here. Even if you struggle with this. Even if you're uh, uh, not yet one who believes and one who yet accepts. He is not here. Oh, come on. Even if you are not one who responds to, he is risen. Even if that's not you. Even if that's not you. Uh, You have still come to pay homage, and you should. No one has changed the world like this guy. I mean, hospitals have been built around the world because of this guy. Humanitarian relief has been accomplished around the world because of this guy. People are raising children not their own through adoption agencies because of this guy. Most of our Ivy League colleges, in fact, I would say the majority of our colleges in this nation, universities, were established as Christian institutions because of this guy. The world has been forever changed. More has been done in his name than in the name of any president, than the name of any Caesar. And so it's good that you have come just to pay homage, as those ladies came just to pay homage because of the example he set in godliness, because of the compassion he showed for them in their life, because of the good that he did, because of the legend that he was. Even if he was not, they believed the one who was going to come and reign like David. They had given up that notion, but they were still there. There's another lesson for us who do believe, another lesson for us who are Christian. They walked, and Mark tells us that while they were there uh, walking on the road, uh, is everybody with us? Everybody's here? Do we have what we need? Yes, we have what we need. And they had begun to walk, and they said, problem, who's going to roll away the stone? And they said, oh, Mary, you're always worried about details. Let's go on anyway. And, and, and they went on anyway. Uh, there's something to be said for that, you know, in my life. You know, when I, when I, there's, there, there's something that is unresolved, something that needs to be done. Uh, I don't need to know how it's going to turn out. I just need to know that God is aware and it will turn out. 
and I just keep moving. I go as far as I can go, expecting that when I get there, I'll be able to see further or the situation will be resolved. I think that shows incredible faith that they went on anyway. Before they knew the truth, they acknowledged that they were perplexed. They were dumbfounded by the experience. I love that. I love honesty. In fact, as I read the scripture, in fact, as I observe Christianity in the world today, uh, the thing that frustrates God the most, and I think the thing that frustrates me most, is people who pretend, you know, pretentious people, you know, who go through the motions of being Christian, but don't give a lot of evidence of uh, passion uh, about Christ in their life, commitment to Christ. Because if he is who he said he is, if he did what he said he does, and if he wants to be involved in my life in the way that he declares he does, then my life will be different. But we don't see that all the time. You know, this frustrated all God's people uh, from even the Old Testament days. Joshua, in his farewell address, the great leader of God's people after Moses, who went in and conquered the promised land. Joshua, when he was ready to die, gathered the people for one last speech. And, he, and this was his speech. Get off the fence. You know, if you believe God, act like you believe in God. Engage, be fully in. If you don't believe in God, then just admit you don't believe in God. And be honest about who you are and who you are not. The same is told in Revelation. There's letters written to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And the one that's interesting to me is the one that he writes to the congregation called St. John. No, excuse me, it's the church at Laodicea. And he says, you guys are not hot or cold. You're just going through the motions. Quit going through the motions. You know, I would that you were either cold or hot. You know, either you believe and you're all in or you're not. And, and just be honest about where you stand. These people were honest where they stood. They were confused for a moment. They had momentary mental misfire. And they just admitted that this is like nothing I've ever seen. It's going to take me a little while to grasp what has happened here today. It's okay for you to be confused for a moment. Legend or living legend, that's okay. But it's not okay to stay there. Before they knew the truth, they were reminded by the angels. Remember, while he was yet with you, did he not tell you? This is where the rubble meets the road. This is where accountability comes in. It's okay to be confused. It's not okay to be lazy. It's not okay not to do the work. Too much depends on this. If it is true and he is what he said he was and he did what the scriptures revealed that he did, then you are missing a power, a blessing, a presence in your life. You're going through life handicapped and God does not want that for you. And if he is the Savior who guarantees eternal life, the first of those who broke through death and achieved Life again with God in paradise. You risk too much not to do the work to just stay in your confusion. You know, go and remember. Investigate the facts, the archaeology, the prophecies and the fulfillment. Because it can be proven. This book is a historic book. The stories can be investigated. The truth can be discerned. You know, there are some great resources in a Christian bookstore uh, you could ask about and they would provide them for you. Or you can write to us and we'll give you some suggestions as things that you can do. But do the work. Just to say it doesn't make sense to me is not an informed decision. 
to say I'm not feeling it is not an informed decision. You wouldn't do that about anything else so important in your life. Last night as I, I finished speaking, I, I went to sit in my chair and, and uh, at the end of the service there was a, 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 a fellow behind me that put his hand on my shoulder and he said, uh, Pastor, thanks for the message tonight. He said, I have a PhD in science and I teach advanced chemistry and physics uh, at Maryville University. And he said, I understand your problem. He says, I'm all the time teaching things that uh, I can explain how they happen, but I can't explain why they happen. And he says, my students look dumbfounded at me because I'm asking them to believe it just is. You know, you can investigate the evidence, but you can't explain. I mean, God put this in order. And I thought that was incredible. A man who has investigated uh, a discipline still sees God's hand in things, miraculous things. It's all the place in the world. I mean, how does your GPS in your car work? Explain that to me. You know, and, and uh, even now, Dion is sitting over there texting me messages, you know, to, to my cell phone. And, and you would think, well, that's going to a tower somewhere and it's dinging back to me. It's going to a tower, to a satellite, and back to me in seconds. How does that work? I don't know, but it does work. You know, there are things that we just accept in life that we can't explain. What if there is a God? What if Jesus was the Son of God? What if he did not just live as a historic person, you know, as all the news magazines and the news stories, you know, are going to teach you the real God, the real Christ, and, and, and do away with all the superstitious stuff about resurrections and about miracles explain all that away and just help you understand the historicity of the person what if they are wrong and what if the bible is right how would that change things for you they were challenged to remember before they knew the truth they accepted the truth without complete understanding they accepted the truth without a complete understanding well that's good i've been a pastor for 35 years and there are things about god that still confuse me amen i don't know about you but been married to Carol for longer than that, and there are things about Carol that confuse me. <laughs> you know, and, and that's not on Carol, and that's not on God. That's on my ability to comprehend. I have limited comprehended skills. Just ask Carol, you know. And, and I'm not alone in this. In the Old Testament, when, when the devil came to God and said, the only reason Job believes in you is because you make it pay. If you take away the benefits from being godly, Job will deny you in a minute. And God said, uh, no, Job's faith is sincere. You may put him to the test, just don't take his life. And we know of the sufferings that Job encountered. And Job questioned God. Job argued with God. Job said, I wish that you were a man and you came down because I would have words with you, God. But he never denied him. And and God said, okay, well, I'm going to come down. And he came in a form of a whirlwind, and he goes on for question after question about Job, showing Job's ignorance on issues of creation, Job's ignorance of how the world works. And Job stood dumbfounded until he finally said this, Job's only response. He said, I know you can do all things, God. I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know, I realize that I'm stupid, and I tried to give counsel with my limited ability. Therefore, I declared what I did not understand. I tried to understand things that were beyond my ability to comprehend. I'm just going to sit over here in dust and ashes and repent of my stupidity. That's the way I feel towards God. You know, do you really want a God that you can understand? And that would be like raising a child who knew more than you. I mean, who wants that? (laughs) Hopefully, you know more than your child. 
definitely God knows more about your life and about how things work than you do. The Apostle Paul came to the same conclusion. He said, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. Before they can completely understand, in fact, no one can explain to me how this happened, yet they believed and received the benefit. What about you? Legend? Great leader who died, who left us a legacy of incredible teaching that's quoted even by Gandhi? Or living legend, God among us, who still walks with us? When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. An old proverb, I love it. You know, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be confused by circumstance, when you're going to need something bigger than yourself. And I pray that at that time, you will answer the call because all day long God holds out his hand, the Bible says, even to obstinate and stubborn people. This is true. The truth of the resurrection did not rest upon the women's ability to accept it. It had happened. It was true even if they did not accept it. The truth does not depend on your ability to accept it. The question is, can you depend upon this truth? What if you're wrong? What are you missing in life? What if you're wrong? What are you risking in eternal life? It's okay to question. It's okay to doubt. Uh, the Bible goes on to tell us in this very chapter, if you, if you bounce down a few verses, that the women came and, and brought the news even to Peter who had said, this will never happen to you, clearly understanding that God had said it would. It says, these words appeared like foolishness to the disciples and they would not believe them. For a time they did not believe them, but they eventually came to believe. For me, he is not just legend, he is living legend. He is risen. And because he lives and I believe, I'm never alone. And because he lives and I believe, I'm never without help in time of need. And because he lives and I believe, I don't fear the future. And because he lives and I believe, I grieve for those I love, but not like the rest who have no hope. You know, I miss my father, I miss my younger brother, but I know I will see them again because he lives and I believe. I know my prayers are not just positive mantras that I repeat to get my head straight. I know that they are actually heard by somebody in heaven who can enter into my world according to his will and do what I need done. Because he lives and I believe, I don't fear for my children's future. I don't fear for my grandchildren until the third and fourth generation who may or may not remember me. Because he lives and I believe, I don't fear my critics. Because he lives and I believe, I have a life of purpose. I have been blessed to be a blessing. Because he lives and I believe, I can be patient with others and rise above their pettiness. Because he lives and I believe, I can forgive others who aren't even asking for my forgiveness and even now are plotting evil against me. Because he lives and I believe, I'm a part of a bigger family than just my immediate family here on earth. Because he lives and I believe, I know my Redeemer lives, and I have been given an indomitable spirit that will serve me well until I meet him face to face, and I shall because he lives and I believe. The question is, for you, is he legend or is he living legend? The answer to that question will change your present 
and certainly impact your eternity. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for uh, these people who took the time to come, even if, even if they came only uh, out of respect for a legend, even if they came only to worship a dead guy, uh, as the women did that morning, uh, to honor a dead guy. And we're shocked to understand that he was not dead, that he was alive, and it changed everything for them. Lord, uh, if I have become weak of faith and, and weak of action and uh, dismissive and, and lukewarm in my faith and not fully in, Lord, renew my faith and renew uh, my appreciation, my understanding for the difference this makes in my life, but your desire also to make a difference in the lives of others through me. Because you live and I believe, Lord, I give you thanks and praise for this day and for the eternal life that has assured me through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my living legend. Amen.